Our holy God, we praise you. God, we thank you for this day. God, I pray you would open our hearts, our minds, that um, whatever it is you'd have us hear, that, Lord, we'd hear it, that our hearts would be lightened, that um, God, we'd look around us and see all the opportunities you give us. God, we thank you for this day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Just curious, uh, how many of you have ever played the game Worst Case Scenario? Let me let me see. All right, boy, just a pile of us. So. <laughs> it's a it's a game of survival. Uh, basically, you're traveling on a path in this game, and each turn you you face what's considered a worst case scenario, a particular situation, and. You're asked survival questions with three possible answers each time. And if you answer them correctly, you're going to move forward X amount of footprints uh, according to what the die says. And it's the first one to finish, of course, wins. And the the survival questions are, are interesting. It's anything from how to escape a charging alligator to... Uh, treating poison ivy. How do you treat poison ivy? In fact, I thought we would do a couple of them, see how good we are. So um, this is stuff you can use. You ready? How to cross a piranha-infested river. It could happen. All right. A, quickly and quietly cross the river at night while they are sleeping. Wait until you see them feeding, then cross the river while they're, while they're distracted. Or C, cross the river in the early morning and throw stones behind you to distract them. Which, which one? A? A? Yeah. Yeah. Quickly and quietly. So how about this one? This will help you today. How to defend yourself against a mountain lion. You ready? Roll into a ball on the ground with your face covered and play dead b fight back by hitting the mountain lion in the head and protecting your own neck and throat c my personal favorite here maintain eye contact and sing the lion sleeps tonight (laughs) while backing away from the mountain lion (laughs) some are saying a some are saying b it's b it's b so i told you useful stuff isn't it Now, this question alone will make it worth being at church today. Are you ready? Hold on to your seats here. How to make age spots fade. Ah, people getting out their pens. Okay, ready, ready. All right, here we go. Rub raw red onion on them. Put a tea bag on them. Rub a concentrated alpha hydroxide lotion or gel on them which is it a b how many say a b c all right you're gonna cry on this one a (laughs) actually heard groans out there (laughs) here's my suggestion when you leave today Get to the store quickly, because red onions are going to sell out. So, <laughs> yeah. Worst case scenario, it's a, it's a fun game. 
But some people have taken this game and they've supersized it in their life. And they have adopted a kind of worst-case scenario mentality in their lives. And consequently, I talked to too many people that have reduced life, you know, to something that you endure, something that you have to bear in life. In any given situation, it becomes a worst-case scenario. And it's not about escaping like charging alligators or piranha-infested rivers. No, it's just getting through life, you know, living life from this worst-case scenario perspective. And friends, I'll be honest with you, it's anything but fun. Yet it's a game too oftentimes I think we play in our lives. And I, I think that's why Jesus came along and... John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's a powerful piece of God's word right there. I mean, Jesus didn't say, I came so that you could survive. You know, I came to this world so that you can endure and get by. He didn't say so you could develop some worst-case scenario mentality and merely exist. What's it say? I came, read that with me, that you may have life and have it abundantly. Here's the deal today. I want us to trade in this this WCS kind of mentality, this worst-case scenario mentality. And I want you to swap it with Christ scenario, with Christ in your life. Because, friends, when you can make that shift in your life, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Professor at the University of Pennsylvania, um, Dr. Martin Slegman, um, when he was on staff there, he did a, a study of thousands of people, and he came to this conclusion about optimistic, positive people. He found that they live longer, They have better health, they're happier, and they accomplish more in life. Friends, you think about that in comparison, and he said people that are negative, live on that negative side of life, it's it's just the opposite for them. I heard a while back about a uh, duck hunter, and uh, he went out to buy the best retriever he could find. And he found this retriever was like off the charts. And uh, come find out, this dog could walk on water. And he thought, man, my friends are going to be impressed with this. And he couldn't hardly wait for duck season to roll around. His buddies, they got together the first day of duck season. He, he gets his first duck. And this retriever trots out, walks on water, gets the duck, didn't even get his paws wet and came back. Nobody said a word in the group. Quiet. The remainder of the trip. Finally, they get back to the trucks, and he goes, "Did you guys notice anything unusual about my dog?" One guy said, "Yeah, the dog can't swim." You know. <laughs> do you know, do you know people like that? I mean, here, here's what I'm convinced: people like being around people that are positive. 
You know, I think that's one of the reasons people say, why does faith fellowship grow? But I think it's because this is a church that we emphasize the positive. You know, we emphasize the good news in life. You know, there's enough bad news in the world. Anybody read the papers lately? You know, watch the news regularly, and it'll get you down. In fact, it's easy to get discouraged and to develop a worst-case scenario mentality. And see, I'm convinced the last thing you need is to come to church and get more bad news in your life. And especially when I read God's Word, and God's Word's so jam-packed with good news, over-the-top news, news that, that should give us a positive outlook in life. Here's what I believe. Christians should be the most positive, optimistic people in the entire world. You know, a pessimistic Christian is a um, oxy... Um, all right, moron, if that's what you want to say. It's a little harsh, but, uh, you know, it's true, isn't it? It just doesn't make sense. In fact, I would argue that a pessimistic Christian is a real insult to God. And I think Paul, when, it, when he was writing the book of Romans, one of my favorite reads is the book of Romans, and Paul, he spends the first seven chapters, and he's kind of addressing life without Christ or the situation that we find ourselves in with sin and stuff. And then in chapter 8, which is considered to be one of the most uh, remarkable transitions for theologians, people that study, study God's Word, they'll go, that chapter, it's off the charts. And it's the transition from life without Christ to life with Christ. And in that chapter, he uses the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, over and over. In fact, that's probably Paul's favorite term for Christians. He uses it 164 times in the New Testament. He says, in Christ. You know, in Christ, with Christ. You know, this with Christ scenario changes everything in life. It, 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 it gives you a perspective. It's a transition in your thinking. And friends, in Christ should impact how we live our lives. And, and so what I want to do today is kind of look at how to live in Christ. How to allow that in Christ to impact our lives. And I'm going to use some scenario questions and uh, kind of get us started here. So you ready? How to deal with guilt. A, beat yourself up. We do that a lot. B, do good things and cancel it out. Can't do enough, can we? Or C, let go. God already did. Which one? C. Yeah, we're going to do the duh. You know, but you think about how we live. And we struggle. You know, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No. Do you see that? No. No condemnation. No is the strongest word in the Greek. Paul, Paul picks it out. He's very strategic. He says, no, absolutely not, positively not. No, 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 take it to the bank. And if you're a Christian, okay, in Christ, 
There's no condemnation. God doesn't condemn you. And I know this has got to be one of the most difficult things to grasp. You know, intellectually, I think we can go, yeah, I accept it. But emotionally, it's charged. I mean, it's too good to believe. You know, it's, it's a tough one. But if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, when you blow it, God doesn't get mad. God doesn't reject you. You know, when you're inconsistent in life, God doesn't, uh, like, read you the riot act or, you know, kick you to the curb. You know, or what, when, you, when you sin, God doesn't hold a grudge. God doesn't stop loving you. And that's hard to grasp. I mean, why is that true? Because Christ paid the price. Jesus paid the price. He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. No, I came to save it. But there's one condition in that, and that is that we live our life with Jesus Christ. You know, in Christ, in Christ. So here's a fact you could take home today. There is no condemnation if you're a Christian. But too many Christians live a life, and it's, they've got this worst-case scenario mentality. They're, they're condemning themselves. Should have, would have, could have. You know, they, they live with, with the past, just beating themselves up constantly you know looking back and going oh man blood blood god will never forgive me i can't forgive myself and we struggle forgiving ourselves don't we i mean if we're all honest we struggle with it and we have even a more difficult time accepting god's forgiveness don't we you know cindy and i were in israel some years back and uh it was just fascinating but i remember one of the churches that we visited over there and it, it was odd. I'm like, what's that mean? And the, our tour guide, he said, that's the church of the flogging. I was like, oh, boy, I want to visit that. Church of the flogging. How's that strike you? You know, something that's always bothered me, um, it's just my opinion, but is to go to church and just get beat up. And leave miserable you know they if don't feel like you've been to church unless you've got like a spiritual spanking so to speak you know and uh it's never made sense to me people go pastor's message was so good it made me feel so awful and seriously i was like what i mean it's like masochism or something hey, you know we haven't worshiped till we feel like we've been run over you know, now don't misunderstand me. There's a time to challenge, and we ought to pause and step back. But God has given us a life and made it possible to live life without condemnation. And friends, that's, that's great news. In fact, if, even if there wasn't a heaven in life, the fact that being a Christian, God says, I'll clear your conscience, that alone to me would be worth being a Christian. Now, it doesn't say, Scripture doesn't say, oh, there are no mistakes, there, there are no sins for those in Christ, there are no failures for those in Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't say that. I mean, obvious, look next to you. Look to the other side. I mean, we make mistakes, right? We sin, we fall, we, we stumble. Nobody's perfect, and the fact is, we're forgiven. No condemnation. 
We're going to struggle with stuff. But no condemnation. In fact, I believe today we could just take, put our Bibles away and go home. And that would be enough reason to be a positive person. To go, you know what? I can live life with a clear conscience. But there's so much more. Another scenario question for you here. How to gain control. A, look in the mirror and say, I think I can, I think I can, 25 times. Someone's probably written a book to that extent somewhere. B, give God control. C, devise a plan and work harder. All right, that was with a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> B, you know, Romans 2, or 8, 2, it says, Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. Here's a fact. As a Christian, when the Lord's in control of my life, I don't have to be controlled by anything else. You know, in other words, I'm set free. You know, I talk to people often, and one of the complaints I hear over and over again, people go, my life's just out of control. You know, I can't get a handle on things. You know, I want to do the right thing, but some reason I do the wrong thing. You know, I just can't break free from all this stuff. And here's what I want to suggest to you. Maybe it's the way you're thinking. Maybe it's the way you're acting. Maybe it's the way you're responding to a habit, to, to gossip, to drinking or eating or drugs or sin or whatever it is that's got a hold on you. Maybe it's the way you're responding to that problem because you're trying to control it as though you could. You know, 2 Corinthians, Paul, he writes and says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, I believe one of the genuine marks of a Christian is freedom. You know, you show me a church that's uptight, and I'll show you a church where Christ isn't, isn't at work. Because there, there's a freedom there. I mean, what's controlling you today? I mean, what's really got its teeth in you? Because here's what I know. I don't even have to know what it is, but I can tell you how to identify it. And it's whatever you think about the most. That's what's got its teeth in you. That's what's holding, holding you down. Paul writes in verse 6, he says, To have your mind controlled by human nature results in death. To have your mind controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. Here's what I believe. You're going to be controlled by something in your life. Either your own nature, the evil one, God. Some, something's going to get a hold of you and control you. And what I have found, and this this is amazing, as I give God control, I find I have a lot more freedom in my life. I find I carry a lot less junk. Then I'm a lot more successful at the things because I give God control. I mean, if your marriage is out of control, give it to God. If your children are out of control, give them to God. If your job's out of control, give it to God. If your finances are out of control, give it to God. And ultimately, God will get a handle on things for you. But you can't do it on your own. You know, God's made it possible to have control in those areas of our lives. God's promised that we don't have to be dominated by things. We don't have to be controlled by our our weaknesses, by this world or, or whatever. You gain control 
by giving control to God. That's an, that's an up. Here's another scenario question. How to overcome desperation. Sleep more, spend more, expect more. Let's see, expect more. Expect more from God. I like Henry David Thoreau says, most people live lives of quiet desperation. That one, I, could, I kind of step back once in a while. That, that quote, just like, whoa. You know, any, anybody overwhelmed today? Discouraged? Struggling? You know? Let's see. Just be honest. How many of you? It's like, whoa. It gets you. You know? Get discouraged in life. The fact is, life's not easy. And God never promised a stress-free life. He never promised a problem-free life. You know, how many of you have had a season in your life where you question everything around you? You know, you know, what's life about? Why am I here? Why me? You know, why me? You know, I had that season where you just wanted to scream out and go, enough's enough. You know, uncle, I give. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. And sometimes it's like I talk about being down for the count. It's like, I just don't get what's going on. I heard, heard a while back about a four-year-old that was sitting pounding at the computer, you know, typing away, and Grandma said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm writing a story, you know. I said, well, what's the story about? He goes, I don't know, I can't read. It's <laughs> you know? like, you ever feel like you're living a life and you don't get where the story's going. You don't get what's what's happening. And then you get some time, especially you look back and go, man, wow, God at work. Romans 8, 18 says, our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, God says, I, I know how this story's going to end in your life. Yeah, yes, you're going through some tough times. But God says, you know what? I've read the last chapter, and you're going to win in the end. You're going to get through. And here's a fact you can take home. I have hope as a Christian. You have hope. You know, even in my problems, even when things are going wrong, even when they're falling apart, I have hope. You know, Paul says there are two things that, that give him hope, and he kind of lays them out. 8.23 says that someday we're going to get a new body. That's good news. One that won't be destructible, fall apart. And then he says, you've got the Spirit praying for you. You know, that God's Spirit calls out for you. You're going to have trials, you're going to have problems, you're going to have struggles, but you have hope in your life. You have hope. That's a huge one to keep your mentality straight. Another scenario question. How do you face bad things? Trust God for the outcome? Get mad and resent it? Attack the problem. Trust God for the outcome. Now we do a little bit of all those sometimes. But ultimately it's trusting God for the outcome in our lives. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good 
for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Some of you ought to take and write that one down. Embed it in your, in your memory. You know, that verse right there, if you can ever grasp it and begin to live knowing that that's true, will totally change your life. It will take and make an optimist out of anybody. The fact is, here's the fact, God works all things together for good. Now notice what I didn't say. It, it doesn't say that all things are good. The fact is there are, a lot of, there are awful things in this world. Awful, off the charts awful. It doesn't say that God's going to work them out the way you want them worked out. And it doesn't say that everything has a happy ending this side of eternity. It says we know. It doesn't say we hope, we wish, we're, we're, we're banking on it, maybe, you know. We're imagining that maybe there's a better day. It doesn't say in it that. It says, we know with absolute confidence. We know we have confidence because of God. What do we know? That all things work together for good for those who love God. What's that include? Losing a job? An illness? Divorce? You know, financial difficulties? Yes, all things work together. All things work together. Notice it doesn't say all things by themselves are good. But it says when they work together, intricately related, they begin, see individually, can be bad things that come into your life, but they work together. And God says, if you could get the whole perspective, the whole picture It'd make all the difference in how you live. Anthony uh, Robbins in his book, Awakening the Giant Within. How many of you have read that book? Just curious. In other words, we play games, but we don't read, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good read. Um, don't, let me say, I don't agree with everything in the book, but you've got to decipher everything anyway. So, But he, he talks about a father that was a drug addict and an alcoholic that was serving a life sentence and he had two sons one son was exactly like him drug addict alcoholic in fact he was in prison for attempted murder the other son was a good father a good husband a regional manager at a major company and they asked those two kids independently from one another. They didn't, didn't get to hear what the other one answered, but they were asked the same question. Why has your life turned out this way? Both of them gave the same exact answer. What else could I have become having grown up with a father like that? And I like what Robin says. He says, it's not the events of our lives that shape us, but our belief as to what those events mean. Perspective. It's perspective. God even takes my mistakes, my misfortune, my hurt, my pain, my sorrow, my struggles, and even the stuff where I'm responsible for it, God takes them and turns them around. You know, God, God can bring good out of evil. God can even take my, my sins 
those dumb, stupid decisions that I've made in life, and God can fit them into his plan. Absolutely can do that. You know, the Bible's full of examples. You know, Moses, Sarah, Job, Joseph, Mary Magdalene, you know, Peter, Paul. And here's my point. Even the mistakes that we make, and we make them, God can weave them and bring good out of them. Do you understand that? Do you catch that? I mean, I think that's good news. Because it means I don't have to be perfect to be in God's plan. I don't have to be perfect for God to work in my life. I don't have to have it all together. That's wonderful news. That changes how I live. And I want to be careful because I don't want you to go out here saying, well, he said this. There are consequences to sin, sometimes severe consequences. But God can still use that stuff. Does this mean that everything works together for good for everybody? No. That's a promise to believers, for those who love God. Another scenario question. How to conquer fear. Run and hide. B, remember God is for you. C, take a self-defense class. Self-defense class is easy, by the way. But remembering God is for you. That's a tough one to get your mind around sometimes. Verse 31, Paul writes, it says, What then shall we say in response to this? Here it is, big question. If God is for us, who can be against us? God says, I'll protect you. I'm for you. One plus God is a majority. It doesn't matter who you're facing off against if God's on your side. And there's something I've discovered in life. Have you discovered this? That God not only knows me, but God's for me. Think about that. God's not only trying to lift us up. I mean, sometimes I think we think, oh, God's tripping us up. God's making our life miserable. God likes, you know, messing my life up. I mean, I think that's how we live sometimes. But the fact is, God wants to see you succeed. It's good news. You know, I think Christians, again, ought to be the most confident people in the world. If God is for me, who could be against me? I mean, fear, fear, fear is devastating. You know, psychologists have identified about 645 different kinds of fears in life. What do you fear? I mean, some of you fear failure. Some of you fear the future. Some fear dying, rejection, criticism. You know, what is it that you fear? You know, Paul, he writes to the Hebrews and he says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I'm not afraid. What can anyone do to me? And then in Romans, Romans 8, 37, Paul writes, it says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. In the Greek, super conquerors, gigantic conquerors, life-size, bigger than life. Superhero conquerors. In life, you get to choose victim or victor. 
Victim or victor? You're going to get swallowed up by your circumstances or you're going to overcome your circumstances. You're going to be overwhelmed by your problems or you're going to overcome your problems. And here's a fact. I do not have to be defeated by fear if I keep my eye on God. I do not have to be a victim if I keep my eye on God. I can have victory in my life. I mean, what is it you've been telling yourself over and over that you can't do? And I just want to scream and go, stop, stop, break free. You know, let God change you. Let God show you a better way. I love Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're not blown away by our circumstances. We're not blown away by our problems. I've got confidence because God's there. Do you get that? God's with you. God's in the midst of it. You don't have to do it yourself. Another scenario here. How to meet all my needs. Hit the boat. (laughs) Hope you get lucky. That's some people's answer. Look to God or see, and we're good. We're good at this one. Worry about everything. Fret, worry, panic. How are we going to survive? You know, Paul, he writes, since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also surely give us everything else? When God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, he solved the biggest problem you're ever going to have in your life. And and here's, here's my perspective on that. Everything else is minor in comparison. And I figure if God loves me and loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you and to take care of those eternal consequences... Don't you think God loves you enough to help you get through? You know, help you make sure you can make ends meet. Help you take care of whatever problem it is you're facing. Help you with your marriage. Help you with your kids. Help you with your vocation. You know, whatever circumstance you're facing today that God will help you. I mean, if he took care of the big stuff. God paid the ultimate price. And the rest of the stuff's easy after that. Fact, God will take care of all my needs. It may be emotional, it may be social, it may be financial, it may be spiritual, it may be physical, but God says, I'll be in the midst of it. It promises it over and over in Scripture that he, He's going to be there. And I'm thinking, God's got unlimited resources. He's not going to ever be tapped out. You know, Paul writes, he says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. The psalmist says, No good thing, no good thing does the Lord do for those who walk upright. You know, in other words, God is always in the midst of it. God wants to, to bless your life. He wants to help you get through. Now, there's something I've figured out. Here is my potential, Okay? without God. I mean, you bring a skill set, you bring whatever it is to to the table, and it's like right here. But with God, it goes through the roof. You know, my potential as a husband, 
is about here. I think it's here, but there's where it is. But my potential as a husband with God is through the roof. My potential as a parent is here. My kids would say here. But my potential with God as a parent is through the roof. My potential vocationally is here without God. But with God, it's through the roof. God's resources are unlimited. And we've got to keep that in mind, that God will help take care of our needs. Here's the last scenario question, all right? How to live with confidence. A, bigger salary. B, bigger ego. Or C, a bigger God. What do you think? Need a bigger God. God doesn't change. It's how we perceive him, by the way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I love this chapter, by the way, of the Bible. Paul gives us the answer in in 37. And he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God which is ours in Jesus Christ our Lord. That is jam-packed with power. And friends, if you grasp that truth, if if you really get that embedded into your life it will change your life it will revolutionize your life for christians those in christ you know there's nothing you can do to destroy your relationship with god god will never leave you alone he'll never abandon you he'll never bail out on you when when you mess up there's nothing you can do that god's going to stop loving you some of you need to hear that today you're going to fail you're going to make mistakes you're going to sin. You're going to stumble. You know, I got, sometimes it bothers, you know, someone will come up and go, did you hear about so-and-so? Man, they sinned. And it's like, really? So did you. You know, I mean, friends, we're going to mess up. But here's the fact. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Change in perspective. Worst case scenario. It's a fun game. It's a fun board game. But it's not the way to live life. It's not fun. It's not how God created us to to live. God created us to live in a far better way. I mean, ask yourself this question. How should you live as a Christian? How should you respond to life as a Christian? Paul, he's writing from prison to Christians, and he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. In other words, he he was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. But here's, here's the meat of what he's saying. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. What's your life say about your faith? How do you respond to the challenges? 
How do you respond when things don't go your way? How do you respond when you get tripped up and knocked down? How do you respond? Because, friends, somehow we got to turn this around. I mean, I'll just be blunt. You know, some of us just need to go to God and say, you know what, forgive me. You know, forgive me for having a worst-case scenario mentality. It's, it's jamming me up and people around me. You know, take away the, that critical spirit from me, God. Please, just take it away. Here's what I believe. Regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of the scenario where you find yourself today, you've got to look for the wonderful things that God has done and is doing. And if you can get that, regardless of how bad, and I, I, there's, there's awful things. We could go around the room today. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, just knowing what's going on in a congregation, it's like, whoa, how much more, Lord? But when you focus on what God has done and what God is doing, you find that even even when it seems like you're in the ashes, you can find that ray of hope, the piece of positive. You, you can be optimistic. You know why? Because we're going to win in the end. You're going to win in the end. We're, you're going to make it through whatever it is you're going through. And on the other side of eternity, when we get there, we're going to look back some of the stuff we were fretting and didn't. It's not going to matter. Because it doesn't depend on you. Whatever it is you're dealing with today, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. And if you can get that, you'll find the strength to push through whatever it is you're pushing through. Now, some of you are just surviving in life. And you don't understand why. You're like, I don't know, life's awful. And I just want to suggest to you, you're trying to do life without God. And that is not a game you want to play. You will lose that game. If you're a Christian, try doing life with God and see what happens. If you're not a Christian, let me encourage you to take that step. You know, I'll be glad to talk to you after the service, pray with you. It's, it's simple steps, just saying, God, be my Savior. I need you in my life. I believe you died for my sins and just handing it and start doing life with God. Because here's what I know about every single person here. God has a plan for your life. He absolutely does. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our gracious God, we praise you, God. I know that this life can sometimes deal just deadly blows. God, I know there are people here today that are grieving, that are hurting, that are panicked, that are afraid. When they look down the road, it's uncertain. God, whatever, whatever it is, that, um, whatever situation... I just pray that we would have the wisdom to turn to you, to let you hold us up when we can't walk any further. Let you carry the burden when there's just nothing left. 
God, help us not to survive life, but to live life, live it abundantly, to enjoy life. Through the grief and the tears and the struggles, God, help us to stay focused on you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your promises. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.